Amen. Good morning. This is good to be in church. We are going to, you know, just keep tabs on um, how things go as far as week to week. But um, uh, right now, under 250 people, they say we can meet. So uh, what we need to do is grow our church to 250 people, and then we can take off next Sunday. You're visiting here today. That's what I am like. So uh, we're going to pray today. I'm thankful that our president said today's a national day of prayer. So let's just pray. I want to pray for our doctors, nurses, people on the front lines, and uh, can we just pray for them today before we start the message? Amen. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name for our doctors and nurses, everybody working in the hospital. Lord, we're just thankful for our EMT people, everybody involved in all of that. We thank you for just giving them wisdom, keeping them safe. We are grateful, Father, for what you are doing through people's lives, and people's lives are being saved and helped and cured, and we pray for those who are struggling in the area of fear. Lord, throughout the world, people are struggling in fear, so we lift them up, Lord, and we speak peace to them. We believe Father, for them to keep their eyes upon you, and if they don't know you, we just pray that there will be a revelation of the goodness of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you want to follow along this morning, go to our website, rmfchurch.org, click on media, then notes, you'll see uh, today's title, which is What's on Your Mind, Part 2, What's on Your Mind, Part 2, but uh, Jeff, I had you on my heart this morning. So uh, I was praying for you, and the Lord says there's something new coming about your job. I don't know what that means or if you're supposed to start a business, but I do know this. You need to think bigger than what you've been thinking about your job. I think God wants people to start jobs, businesses, I should say. Be open to that. Don't be afraid of that. I know we're going through a tough time now, but you... Y'all can lighten up in church. This is just, just church. So, uh, but I, I believe God wants to do big things in people's lives, and sometimes you can even bring fear into the job realm or to the business realm, but God wants you to know that you can do things. You know, some of the greatest millionaires are made when the stock market crashes and everybody responds in fear. You watch six months from now, there'll be millionaires galore because they invested in stocks when they just plummeted that's where that's when you okay don't get me don't get me stirred up but Romans 15:13 that's our script I'm so thankful that God gave me this scripture in November for such a time as this I just think this is so much God now may God the inspiration and fountain of hope fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with superabundance until you radiate with hope. That's what the world needs right now is hope. They need hope, and there's such fear. And so I felt like I needed to address the fear, to address the, uh, this is what I'm going to tell you to do, which is real simple. Just two or three things. But you all should just, um, and I'm doing this, anytime that... um, you just sense that, oh, man, it's getting worse or it's getting bad. 
Read Psalms 91. This is the Passion Translation. You can do it three or four times a day. It's kind of like medication. Take it three or four times a day or as needed. (laughs) Psalms 91, verse 1. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. Here's the hope that holds me in a stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. Uh, Psalms 91, verse 2 in the King James says that I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. So you need to say this. If you want this to be manifest in your life, you need to say it. Believe it and say it. Verse 3 says, he will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusation and every deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces and at night nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Did you hear that? Don't fear a thing. If you're consumed in fear, you probably ought to turn the TV off. You probably ought to quit reading all the articles. You ought to probably quit that. You can stay informed. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand, but if you are just being overwhelmed with fear, I can, I probably know you're watching too much junk as far as, you know, I mean, let's just face it. When Disney World closes, the world's coming to an end. But the Bible says, don't fear a thing. And listen, if it tells you to do something, you can do that. You can do it, all right? Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil launch against you. Even in a time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. Come on now. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they've done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then, I got this underlined, how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? Isn't that good? God sends angels and special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, They'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you in a high place, safe and secure before my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. And you will find and feel my presence even in the time of pressure and trouble. I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. Fear not. Fear not. God said that. The angels would say that. Fear not, fear not, fear not. And so this is a voice that you and I need to have coming out of our mouth. I'm not going to fear. I am not going to fear. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've said this before, but you need to be a doer of this. If you start having a slight fever, start feeling bad, open up your mouth and speak to that thing. Don't wait till you have a 104 temperature 
And you have to dial 911 because you can't hardly breathe. And then go, oh, I'm going to start now. Duh. You got you to, gotta, when I first start to feel warm, I said, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not allowing us. I speak to that fever to leave my body. Listen to me. This is what happens. Most of you think, I just don't think I have enough faith to do that, or I'm just not powerful enough to do that. This has nothing to do with you or me. This has to do with the Christ that is in you. Did everybody hear that? This has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the Jesus that's living in you. Because this is what the Jesus living in you in Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I'm giving to you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. You got to believe that. So I speak to it. I speak to fevers. I speak to pain. I was working out with Dwayne yesterday. You can probably tell I've been working out. You know, my wife laughs when I do that, too. But anyway, I've been doing it for a year. I know it's hard to believe, but I've been doing it. for. <laughs> I'm just digging my hole deeper. But anyway, yesterday I, I was doing this one exercise and I went up on the weight. And so when I was doing it, I just did that and I did something. And oh, my goodness, it felt like somebody stabbed me with a hot poker right above my hip, right there in my hip something there, and pain shot down my leg, and I went, whoa, and I set the weight down, and uh, I mean, I, it, it was painful, and so I started speaking to it, because this is what it says in James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil. The devil doesn't mean just a pitchfork, and he's dressed in red and has a cape, you know means anything, anything adversary, anything coming against you. Are you hearing me? So how, first of all, how do you submit to God? You submit by realizing, first of all, that he's in you and all authority and power. So I don't think this is Mike Davis speaking. This is Christ in me speaking when I resist. Did you hear that? So I resist. How do you resist? I will not allow this pain to stay in my body. I rebuke and resist. I will not allow it. And you know what? The majority of the time, it doesn't leave. Right then. And that's when everybody quits. And that's when everybody thinks it didn't work. I've learned something valuable. You know, it's kind of like antibiotics. You go to a doctor and you, take, you swallow it and go, well, that didn't work. I'm serious. Nobody does that, do they? Okay, most sane people don't do that. But anyway... But we do that when it comes to the, the Bible says your word's like medicine to our flesh. God's word is like medicine. Laughter is like medicine. You need to laugh more and you speak the word of God more. So anyway, it, I did that probably about fit. I had a funeral yesterday. We had a funeral here at the church. And man, I was sitting and, and I was in pain. And every time I would move, I would say that in my mind. I didn't interrupt. Excuse me, everybody. I'm, I need to say. No, don't be weird. But, I mean, I would say that in my mind. I'm resisting this. I'm not allowing you pain to stay in my body. This body is the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God, which means that God dwells in your body. And he wants, how many think God wants a good house to live in? I mean, nobody, even you, you don't want a house that the 
the windows are knocked out and, and uh, needs paint and all that. No, you, you want to live in a nice house. God wants a nice house to live in. You can do this. So I resist it. I speak to it. And I do that. I probably said it 50 times yesterday. But guess what? I have no pain today. I dance, but you get embarrassed. But I have no pain in that today. And yesterday, man, it was shooting down my leg. And when I went home, you know, I was sitting down on the couch and I was reading and everything. And I kind of forgot about it. But when I got up, it reminded me. First of all, I got up like I was 150 years old, man. I was just pulling on stuff to try to get myself up. I go, oh, yeah. And you know what I did? I walked around my living room and says, no, I will not allow that to stay in my body. I will not. I resist it. I resist it in Jesus' name. I speak to it. And then you can take communion. You take communion. And you, this is what you should do at home. Don't wait till we do it here. You do it at home. Take the the bread and say, this represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore my sin and he bore my pain and suffering. So let's say you got a a pain in your, your back. He bore my pain in his body and he died. He took that pain to the grave. So therefore, this pain is not allowed to stay in my body because he took it. He bore it for me. And so you take and eat. Then you take the cup. You take the cup in Jesus' name and say, this represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood represents the, uh, or the juice represents the the blood. I don't drink blood, just so you know. (laughs) You weren't listening. But anyway, the juice represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you laughed. You took medicine. And so therefore, just like the blood was applied to the doorpost, and when they were in Egypt, the death angel, Passover. That's why it's called the first Passover. So the coronavirus has to pass over me and my house. All sickness and disease has to pass over because of the blood of Jesus. It's been applied to my life, and it has made me righteous. And because I am righteous, I have been made a person of authority. I have authority over anything that's trying to come against me. So you do that. I've taken communion as much as six times in one day. Six times. You just take about an hour later, and you know, you feel worse than when you did the take. You go, no, 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 I'm doing this again. You feel worse, I'm doing it again. You feel worse, I am doing it again. I can outlast any sickness, any devil. I can outlast it because Christ is in me. But you start doing things like that. Amen. Does that make sense? It really maybe doesn't make sense, but I'll talk about that in a minute. James, I mean, John 16.33. John 16.33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation, you have trials, you have distress, and you have frustration. Be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Certain undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power To what? To harm you, and I have conquered it for you. Man, write that down. Write that scripture down. Put it on an index card, and when you're feeling, you know, slapped upside the head, you go, read that and go, you know what? I have victory because of what Jesus has done. In the world, you're going to have all kinds of stuff going on, but you know what? I believe in Jesus' name 
that I have victory over this. John 14, 27 says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. You talk about fragile peace. I mean, four weeks ago, everything was normal, and then this happens, and the whole world just explodes. I mean, you know it's bad. I mean, you need to pray for Kentucky. The NCAA tournament's been canceled. They are in deep mourning. I mean, my sister said people were talking about just ship the trophy to Lexington, Kentucky, because we, they always win anyway. So, but, I mean, everything's been shut down. The, the, there's such, people just don't know what to do. This is time for the church, for you to arise and shine with hope and, and love that, hey, everything's going to be all right. The world needs to hear that. They need to hear that. 2 Timothy 1.7 says God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Emphasis on the sound mind because people are, and what is up with this buying toilet paper? I still haven't. I've, I've Googled. I've searched. I thought, is it causing diarrhea? Maybe that's it, but it's not. So I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. I just know that the soundness of mine is really, there's a scarcity of that right now that's going on. But we as believers, we have the hope of God in us. People are being like hopeless. We have the hope. We have. Do we really believe in God? Can we trust him? Can we trust him? If you're feeling like you're a little bit shaky, that's okay. Get out Psalms 91 and, and it's, listen to me. <laughs> it's not your faithfulness to him. It's his faithfulness to you. Did you hear me? Because people say, well, I'm just not faithful enough. This has not, it says he is faithful. He is faithful. What is he faithful? To make sure that he surrounds you with protection. The angels of God encamp around about me. Encamp around, man, I pray for our church. I pray for you. Man, there's angels just surrounding you, man. I just saw when I, I woke up early this morning, I just started praying. I thank you, Lord, that Rocky Mountain Family Church has angels surrounding them everywhere they go. And they're blocking off germs with their wings. I mean, just I just see that. I know, it's a little weird, but anyway. All right. Now, that was just a booster shot for you. Coronavirus vaccine, you just got it, all right? But I want to, I felt like last week the glass was half full, and I want to tie in to what I'm saying from last week to this week. Because there's a couple of people that uh, I felt like they thought that I was going to quit or give up or I don't know what they thought. But anyway, I thought, man, uh, i got to work on my communication skills or something. But um, Romans 14.4, this is a Passion Translation. It says, who do you think you are to sit in judgment of someone else's household servant? His own master is the one to evaluate whether he succeeds or fails, and God's servants will succeed. 
I am not worried about what my future holds because I know I'm succeeding no matter what. It says he's going to, God's going to make sure that he succeeds for God's power supports them and enables them to stand. Probably about 10 or 12 years ago, I had a, a message on weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> if you were, I know, I came up with some weird titles back in that day. But uh, back in the day, uh, I, I think I bought Danielle when she was a little girl, these weebles. They were oval-shaped, and they were heavy on the bottom, but you could push them down. But as soon as you push them down, they would go, whoop. You push them down, they go, whoop. Are you getting the point? Whoop. You're getting it. They come back up. They always come back up. And that's a believer. Man, you can get knocked. The Bible, David said, I get knocked down seven times, but I keep getting back up. That's, that's what a believer, you can get knocked down. There's the, the rug can get pulled out from under you. But the good news for the believer is you get up. And you get up and you get up and you get up. And you get successful every day of your life. But um, I just felt like I needed to tie some things together because sometimes I take things for granted or... I know back here, but then people out here don't know. And the Lord goes, you need to probably say this a little bit better. And so how many remember the story in the Bible when Jesus was in the house and a woman came into the house and uh, she had some expensive perfume. She broke the bottle and she poured it on Jesus. And the Bible is very specific in this perfume that it was expensive. It was a year's salary of perfume. I think the median income for Pueblo is around $45,000, $50,000. That would be a $50,000 bottle of perfume. I hope in heaven we get to smell that. Uh, have, you, have you ever smelled a $50,000 bottle of perfume? I have not. I'm sure they make it. I just haven't smelled it. But anyway, she broke that and she poured it on Jesus. And Judas, one of the disciples, the one who kept the treasure, the offerings, he got upset. Hey, this bottle, this perfume could have been sold. We got a year's salary out of it. We could have sold it and gave it to the poor. Jesus says, you leave her alone. And he turns and he says something kind of strange. The poor you have with you always. In other words, you're always going to be able to give to the poor. I said last week that, uh, you know, I gave $1,000 to a rich guy. I've actually done that about four or five times in my lifetime, give or take. And about 15 years ago, I'm going to teach you something that I've learned. Everybody ready? You listening? This is going to be really good. About 15 years ago, there was somebody, that, a couple that I knew that were very wealthy. And the Lord spoke to me and says, I want you to go and give them a check. And my thought would have been probably like your thought. I need the money. They're not living paycheck to paycheck, Lord. Just in case you haven't checked my checkbook register, I live paycheck to paycheck. They do not. But I mean, the Lord just really impressed on me. You need to go do that. And listen, I have learned in my years 
of following God that there's times that you do things and at, at, and at first it doesn't make sense. But I know that God knows more than I do. <laughs> yeah, m- most of you go, well, that was obvious. But anyway, so I went to this couple's house and um, I just said, you know what? I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give you this check and I gave it to her. She opened it up, and she just started crying. And I thought, now, wait a minute. I know that was like 50 cents to you. It can't, I mean, it wasn't like a $10,000 check. And she started crying, just tears just flowing down her face. And I sit there, and I stared, and she said, Mike, no one's ever given us any money because everybody knows that we're wealthy. She says, this speaks volumes to me how much God loves me because... I didn't have to do anything for this. You just gave it to me. Man, I walked back and got in my vehicle, and I just thought, God, I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought it was just about the money. He says, no. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love is is demonstrated by giving. And I know it may be hard for you to understand this, but rich people do need love. (laughs) A lot of people think rich people don't need anything. No, everybody on this planet needs love. And this may shock some of you too. He loves the rich just as much as he loves the poor. He loves everybody. And so every time the Lord tells me to give something to the rich, I, I know what he's doing. I know what he's doing now. The first time, I mean, it was like, I'm kind of dragging my feet. I go, okay, I'm going to go do this now. I'm going to go do it. But when she broke down and cried, man, it just lit up my I started crying in my car. I go, man, God, I had no idea. I've learned two things about giving money. First of all, it causes people to feel loved and appreciated, not only by you, but by God, number one. And number two, it causes you to have a connection to that person individually. I can't explain it, but when I did that, there was a connection that was made. Now, you may not understand all of this, but this is what I know. If you don't get anything out, you write this down. There are times that you do things that you're led by God that are illogical, that don't make sense. I've walked with God for many, many years now, and I've learned that as long as you try to live by being logical and common sense, there will be times that you will miss God. It wasn't really logical to put blood on a doorpost when they were bound in Egypt. Was that, was that very logical? It wasn't very logical as we're going out to war and God says, Okay, I want you to put all the singers out front. I don't know about you, but that would have been one good time. I go, whoa, I'm glad I cannot sing. (laughs) They're not going out with a sword or nothing. They're just going out with vocal cords. I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking, who's the general of that army? Are you kidding me? I mean, but Joshua sit there and said, all right, guys, I want the singers to go first. First, as in 
before the guys the, the, the military? Yeah, want you guys to go for it. God wants you all to go up and just let it rip. Let it sing. And they did. And guess what happened? They won. It doesn't make much sense as we're going to take the city. Okay, how are we going to do it? Let's get some trees down. Let's make those big, powerful, what do you call those things? Yeah, rams. Get some ram trucks in there to drive. No, but anyway, you get these rams, you get through there. No, he says, we're going to march around this city seven times and then shout. That doesn't make sense. You, really? We're going to do that? Yep, just let it rip at the seventh time. Guess what happened? They did. And the walls came a-tumbling down. They did. It doesn't make sense. Go dip your, you got leprosy? Go dip seven times in the Jordan and you'll come up clean. What? First of all, the Jordan's dirty. And I'm going to come up clean. Yeah, you're going to do that. You know, it didn't make much sense for us to go to Africa when we had very little support. We didn't even have enough support to cover the mission house. It's $300 a month. We didn't even have $300 a month support to do that. The Lord spoke to my heart. He says, I want you to go to Africa now. I told Mel, I said, Mel, God just said to go. And we, I gave FedEx about six weeks, two months notice. There's a specific time he told me to go in November. And so we did. But about two weeks before we were supposed to go, we get a phone call from Dad and says, Mike, well, actually, Melody talked to him and said, there's an all-out war going on. The military hasn't been paid, and so they revolted, and they're looting every, going house to house with an AK-47, shooting, killing, and stealing. He said, you may want to reconsider and come at a later time. Melody calls me. She never called FedEx when I was in the office. Only one time that I know it was right then. She called and said, could you have my husband call me? And so I did. I had to go to a paint uh, phone booth. For those younger, that's a little booth that Superman gets into and comes out. with a. But anyway, so I went to a phone booth and called. I go, what in the world is wrong? I said, what's going on? Because I knew it was an emergency. She says, well, Dad called and said that we may reconsider, blah, 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 because they're having war. And it was Zaire at that time. It's the Congo today. And she says, you know, so you probably should pray about that, Mike, while you're out. And I go, I don't have to pray about it. She said, what? I said, the Lord spoke that to me way before this happened to leave at this time. I'm pretty sure he knew there was going to be a war. Pretty sure he knew there was going to be looting. Pretty sure he knew there was going to be. I don't think God went, oh, my goodness, Mike, I picked the wrong date for you. <laughs> I don't believe that. We packed up and we went. I'm telling you what, we ministered like crazy. The people needed us. We went for such a time as that. Does that make logical sense? No. And then it was the same way coming back to America. To be honest with you, coming to Pueblo was much harder going to Africa in the midst of a war. Because we didn't know anybody in Pueblo. I didn't have any income. I had $1,500. I mean, we were just, I mean, this does not make sense to come back to Pueblo to start a church because my brain says, go to Kentucky. You'll have 40 or 50 people the first Sunday. It took months for us to get 40 or 50 people, maybe a year or longer. It was not 
logical to do that. But God said, go to Pueblo. And here we are. My point is, listen to me. Listen to me. No, I don't live every day of my life being just illogical. But I am open to what I feel moved in my heart. Because listen to me, if you never live just by the light, if you just live by the logical, every day of your life, 365 days out of the year, you can rest assured you're going to miss God. I know doesn't really happy, but it's true. I would have missed, I would have never went to Africa. Well, first of all, I would have never went to Bible school because it was just me and Danielle. That would have been stupid for a man to leave his state and drive 600, 700 miles. There's been so many times that God's asked me to do stuff that was not, in the public opinion, a wise thing to do. You know, and I'm just going to throw that. I don't talk this much about it. But uh, I know probably a lot of you don't believe in speaking in tongues. I do. But there's a little booklet back there called White Tongues. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. It's illogical to speak in tongues. I've been doing it for since I was about 21. 20, 19, so 40 years of my life. The Bible says when you speak in tongues, you don't speak unto man, but you speak unto God. Your brain goes nuts. It really does. Because you, your brain just goes, you've done some stupid things. But if the people you went to school with could see you now, you'd be certified. Crazy. If you don't believe, that's okay. I'm not here to try to twist anybody's arm. I'm just saying when I speak in the tongues in Jude, it says that you are edifying yourself. You speak to God in an unknown language that he hears. You know, has there been times you wish you could express yourself? You don't, you know, from Kentucky, I think that way every time I preach. But anyway, where you try to, you all were getting so serious. So, but I mean, there's times that I speak in the English language. You obviously know this because you've, you've heard me preach that I, I'm searching for words and I, they're not there anywhere around there. So I have to get them from people, you know. Oh, that's the word. And sometimes I can't even say that word. But anyway, I know what it means. But you, you, you don't express yourself. There's an old Baptist hymn that uh, we sang, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And it was an expression that I really, my tongue cannot express my gratitude. My tongue cannot express how happy, how joyful, and how thankful I am. There's an answer to that. It's called speaking in tongues because there's no human language can express exactly the perfect will of God. The perfect praise to God. I didn't mean to get all into that, but it, this, this little book may help you out. It's free on the back of the thing. It says, Why Tongues? But anyway, I speak in tongues every day of my life because I know that there's things I need to pray. The Bible says you don't know how to pray as you ought. Duh. I don't. And trust me, I know my educational level. I know my, you know, now if it comes to math, I can probably... 
I can do circles around people. But if it comes that everybody in my family knows English language better than me, can read book. My kids, they can get a book like that. And I go, okay. Usually I have to get a dictionary along with it. But anyway. So I know I'm not the strongest in the English language. So I know that I need all the help I can get even in the English realm. How much more when it comes to speaking in the heavenly realm? I'm not going to keep going on to that, but listen to me. My point is this. Don't just always live where everything in your life has to make sense and be logical about it. Are you hearing me? Having said that, don't get flaky like some Christians. And they're just flaky. That every day of their life, oh, and I'm just going, you know, I mean, I've lived in the supernatural, but it's not every day. It's not every day. God gave you a brain. Please use it. There's, I'm saying that in public, but there's been a lot of times I want to say that one-on-one. People go, you know, the Lord said, and I went, okay. And then... Six weeks later, well, you know, he, he changed his mind. I go, no, God's not schizo. God didn't tell me to go to Africa and then me dry up there and then me tell people, well, God wants me to go back to America now, you know. No, God's not schizophrenic. He doesn't like, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, now I'm going to do it. No, he's not weird. Only Christians are. I say that in love. But all of this is tied of the illogical thing about being righteous before God. Now, this is my main point. I'm going to give me about five, ten more minutes. I'm going to try to wrap this up. The logical thing is about you being righteous. The grace of God, just like it was grace to give somebody who's wealthy, who doesn't deserve it, who didn't work for it, to give them something, and it was because of grace. It's the same way about being righteous. Knowing that you and I don't deserve to be even called that term. We do not. But being righteous is something that is illogical if you want to get right down to it. It's illogical for the grace of God to be poured out to all humanity. Because spiritual maturity is not working on your sin, but it's actually discovering your righteousness. That's true maturity. Because all of my life, most of my life walking with God, it was a journey uh, to clean myself up and to try to do right. How about you? I'm going to follow God. And in that following God, it was, I've got to do right. I'm not doing very good. And, and it caused guilt and it caused shame and it caused major insecurities in my life. I was insecure. I felt, never felt measured up. Why? Because I was failing miserably when it came to the righteous realm, following after God. To about six years ago, and the Lord said, you're not supposed to try to be righteous, Mike. And I had a supernatural revelation with God and that it's not a journey. It is a journey not to clean myself up, but to, to discover just how clean I really am. And that's what God wants you to know. It's very illogical to think that God sees you as clean and pure and holy and righteous. 
Because the religious world will tell you you're not and you don't measure up and you need to strive and try harder. And God says, you'll never get there. And I wasn't and I didn't. But God wants you to know that that's the way he sees you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19, he says, I'm no longer counting sins against you, Mike. I'm not counting sins against you anymore. You don't have to worry about your sins. And you say, oh, well, then I guess we can sin. You don't understand grace. You don't understand righteousness. It's not that I can sin because I can do that pretty freely. It's about knowing who I am. It's about knowing who I am, that I'm clean. So the journey is discovering how righteous you are, discovering how clean you are. It's not about right or wrong, good or evil. But it's about choosing life or death, cursing or blessing. Which one are you going to choose? It's a Life is full of choices. But I give you a choice that God gave in Deuteronomy. It says life is not about right or wrong, sin or not sinning. It's about blessing or cursing. Life or death. If you want to choose trying to live right and do right, that's death. The law was death. If you want to try doing right, then you're choosing death. He says, or you can choose life. What is that? It's Jesus. (laughs) It's Jesus. Simple thing. I choose him. And when you choose him, you choose righteousness. You choose holiness. You choose health. You choose prosperity. Man. Did you know in Psalms 112, I'm not for sure what scripture it is. You can read the whole chapter. It's pretty short. It says this, in the, right, in the house of the righteous is wealth and riches. Man, I've been meditating on that this week. In the house of righteous. Well, first of all, the church has a problem. It's because we don't think we're righteous. If you don't think you're righteous, then you're going to miss the whole part of the blessing. It says wealth and riches are in his house. So this morning, I woke up early and I said, Rocky Mountain Family Church, there's wealth and riches in this house. Why? Because there's a bunch of righteous people here today. There's wealth and riches in this house. You need to confess that. You need to believe that. You need to retrain your mind to think that way. Wealth and riches are in the house because of righteousness. And that's not because I'm something special. It's because of the gift that God gave me and he made me that way. If you don't like the way that I preach, then you need to talk to God because he made me this way. He made me righteous. He made me holy. And therefore, I proclaim and declare that wealth and righteousness or wealth and riches are in my house. And that's more than money. The world would just think wealth and riches is just money. According to God, it's it's the fruit of the Spirit, peace and joy, patience. And it does include money. But it's much, much more than money. It's much, much more than that. It causes you to have peace in the midst of a virus outbreak. It causes you to have the peace when a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But you have a knowing that it will not come nigh my dwelling. You just know. Some of these things are so illogical, but I'm going to believe God that we're going to step into some of the supernatural realms that people have been reading about, that people read about. The supernatural has never left this planet. It never has. It didn't end when the last disciple died. The supernatural is still prevalent today because 
the supernatural is in you. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is in you. If you don't know what's in you, you won't ever step out and be bold. Every time that I followed God, when I felt, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. It's called being led. It's called being led. When you're led, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to your natural mind. It doesn't make sense. Does it really make sense? The Bible says believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Let's just break that down. How does that work? It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to lay hands on sick people and they're going to get, hey, come here. Hey, Dwayne, you feeling bad? You got a fear? Oh, here you go. Yeah, you're going to start feeling better now. People in the world will go, you are stupid. Get your nasty hands off of me. But you see, I've done that before and they've gotten better. To the logical reasoning mind, you think that doesn't make sense. But there is a supernatural power that is in me that can flow out of my hand and flow into his body. It didn't make sense when Peter, his shadow, walked across and there were so many sick people lined up. He couldn't do anything. So he just walked across them and his shadow healed people. Are you kidding me? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe? Because that's what the Bible said. It says that his shadow healed people. His shadow. Did you know Jesus didn't heal anybody with his shadow? Jesus did not heal one person with a shadow. Peter did. He healed a bunch of people. They brought him, lined up the street. Okay, everybody. And he just walked by and just, I thought, wow, that is very illogical. But what if he tried to reason that out? You know, this is really dumb. People are going to make fun of me. They're, what are they, what are, what is the news media going to say about this? What is Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and XYZ and all the others? What are they going to write about this? Or you can have a boldness inside you and say, for the love that God has for these people, I'm going to do that. For the love and the compassion that God has for people, I'm going to do that. Seeing reality is kind of just dumb for me to preach and speak in front of people and expect that to change people's lives. The Bible says that it's the gospel that's good news that would change people's lives. I believe that, or I would not be doing this. I would be in some executive at FedEx right now. But this is the life that God destined for me, and I believe it with all my heart. And I'm enjoying it to see people's lives change, to see people who are hurting healed, to see people who are hurting emotionally that no doctor can detect. But God comes in and he pours in his love and it causes that pain to be gone, guilt and shame to be gone, insecurities to fall by the wayside. That's our Father. I said, that's our Father. Let's stand.
David said this in Psalms 27, verse 13. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The great thing about all of this is it's an exciting life, let me tell you. It's an exciting life to live. Amen. I almost forgot to tell you, after we're dismissing, and you can come up on my left and right. If you need prayer this morning, you can come on my left and my right. But also, don't forget the two buckets back in the back. You can drop your offering off in that, and um, everything is good. I'm telling you, your Heavenly Father is looking down on you today. Everybody hears my voice. He's pleased with you today. Before you change, before you do everything right, before you dot every I and cross every T, he's saying this. Are you hearing me? I love you, and you are pleasing to me because I see you righteous and holy. So start seeing yourself that way. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this message, it will truly change people's way of thinking. It will truly transform people's life. They will think differently, and it will cause them to live differently, and it will cause them to have a different expectation. Things are starting to look up in Pueblo, Colorado. Things are starting to look up in our state. Things are starting to look up for our nation. Things are starting to look up in our world. Because when it seems like all is falling apart, there is one thing that is consistent and faithful and true, and that is you. And your love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. And so it is far greater than any virus and any sickness or any calamity in Jesus' name. May that hope arise up within Rocky Mountain Family Church and everybody who hears this in Jesus' name. Amen.